0: Welcome back to what I'm considering a very special episode of The Middle of Medicine. I am one of your hosts, Peter Jones.
1: And I am your other host, Aubrey Jones. And
0: why is this a special episode? Well, I think it's a special episode <laughs> because Aubrey and I are sitting in the same room together. In the
1: Same room. <laughs> I know we're
0: doing this live for the first time. I can look at your face. I
1: know There's little... no lag on the Zoom where I'm waiting for you to talk, but then I don't talk, so then we both talk at the same time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, since my brother and I, we rarely use the we rarely use the video in Zoom. I found uh-huh. I think he and I end up talking over each other more. Yeah, <laughs> he, he has new internet at his place. So perhaps it would be reliable enough for us to use the video video. as well, Uh, but usually we don't because uh, we're worried about the uh, lag and and that sort of thing. But it definitely leads to us talking over (laughs) each other. But the fun thing is, is because of the way I record that, I can actually make that talking over each other (laughs) go away. Very fancy. So uh, this is episode 10. I got it right this time. I didn't goof up last time, even though Aubrey's the one who introduced it. I was the one who told her it was episode eight. So again, that's on me. Um, But Aubrey, how come we're together today? I just thought I'd I'd mention it. How come we're in the same room?
1: Because it is Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. I came home to visit.
0: And while this is going to be posted two weeks after Mother's Day, uh, we did want to just recognize all of the mothers out there, and everybody who works so hard to take care of others. I think that's really one of the hallmarks of motherhood, and I was very fortunate to have a really great mother, and I think that Aubrey has
1: been very fortunate (laughs) to have a great mother also.
0: I mean, I know I think you do. So today we're going to talk about sort of the back half of Aubrey's research paper that she wrote. And the focus of this is to try and talk about, well, how do we fix burnout? Two weeks ago, we talked about the problems, we talked about some of the causes with burnout, and where this, uh, really this epidemic that's going through healthcare arises from. And today, we're gonna talk about what are some of the proposed solutions things that have been thrown out as possibilities into uh, treating this particular problem, then we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking and perhaps ranting about why we don't think those propositions are worth the breath used to express them. And then maybe what we'll do is we'll end up spitballing for just a little bit and see if we've got any great ideas. Uh, to offer anyone who may be listening. And there's a part of me that would love it if some hospital administrators listen to these podcasts. And there's a part of me that last week would recognize and understand if they chose not to come back. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm going to turn it over to you, Aubrey. Tell us again, give us just a real quick summary of what are some of the causes of burnout. And then uh, let's talk about some proposed solutions.
1: Yeah, so in this back half of my paper, I talked about solutions and failed solutions, and it all stems from the top five reasons for burnout. So listen carefully for a trend here in these top five reasons. So one is unfair treatment at work. Two is an unmanageable workload. Three is a lack of role clarity. Four is lack of communication and support from management. And five is unreasonable time pressure. So if you haven't been able to tell, there's a trend within these uh, causes of burnout. And that is that the problem lies with the system and not the individual.
0: Correct. Yeah. yeah and and that's, I think, one of the most important things for us as healthcare workers to realize But also one of the things that I hope anybody who's listening to this and anyone who may decide, hey, this is something important, we need to somehow be involved in this, they recognize that also, that this is a systemic problem, that this is not an individual problem, this is not a problem with nurses, doctors, techs, all the other people who are involved in healthcare, this is not a problem of them just not working hard. This is not a problem of them just not being tough enough to handle it. This is a problem where the very system that we are operating in is designed to destroy us.
1: Yeah. We're set up for failure.
0: I mean, we really are. And people are probably asking, well, but this is how it's been for many years. So how come it's worse now than it was 30, 40 plus years ago? You have any thoughts on that? You find anything in your research? Cause I have thoughts
1: <laughs> that specific. I haven't, I haven't found anything about it being worse recently. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about
0: that. You betcha. Number one, healthcare reimbursements have decreased reimbursements from Medicare have decreased reimbursements from private insurers have has decreased. And we have a larger population. More of them are on things like Medicare and Medicaid. And there's also a larger percentage of people who are uninsured. Healthcare insurance is a topic for us to address at another day because it is a big problem. But what this leads to is because reimbursements are decreasing, we have to work harder, and do more and see more patients and do more surgeries just to try and keep things in terms of income and revenue equal. Now, is that bad? And if that sounds terrible to you, then you should be angry and you should know that we agree that that's terrible, but that's the system we operate in. Yeah, Healthcare, whether it is being administered by a for-profit healthcare system, of which there are many in the country or a not-for-profit healthcare system, again, of which there are also many in the country, you still have to have income to just run, even if you're not trying to turn a profit. And so we have to put more people in the hospital with fewer nurses, because just numbers, cost-wise, it doesn't work out. We're doing more surgeries, we're doing seeing more patients, because, you know, let's just look in a clinic. If you're in a private clinic and you've got x number of employees and you used to make x times 2 in terms of every patient you saw now you're only seeing you're only being reimbursed x for every patient you see but you still have the same number of people and your overhead certainly didn't get any cheaper and your insurance for your employees isn't any cheaper and all of these things now you're forced to go well, if I'm being reimbursed half what I used to be, then I have to see twice as many people just mm-hmm. just to be able to still pay the overhead and the people who are working for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so with these decreasing costs, huge increase in requirements for productivity, just to try and keep things even, let alone trying to make a profit. And again, these are all inherent parts of the system that are broken. Right. Another issue is the fact that there are things like EMRs. So EMR is an um, an electronic medical record. There are incentives and penalties to using or not using electronic medical records imposed by the government. You know, there's all these things, there's this phrase in healthcare called meaningful use where basically we're required to demonstrate that we're using technology to quote improve the uh, healthcare we're delivering. And so we're having EMRs foisted upon us and having worked with a number of different electronic medical records in my time, I can tell you that some of them are really, really hot garbage. I mean, they're, they're just, they're trash. And, and the problem behind really every EMR is number one, they're built by software engineers who don't take care of patients. Yeah. And so they have ideas that don't jive with how actual healthcare flows, But the other problem with EMRs is so many of them are designed first as a billing uh, tool. Uh And so their main purpose is for charge capture. It's making sure that the hospital or the clinic or the system or whoever can, can get every
1: Capture every, everything can, can
0: capture every charge they're, that they're owed for the
1: services delivered. Oh,
0: And so they're not first set up for the clinician. They're first set up to try and right. make sure.
1: for payment. So
0: guess what? All of that stuff falls on us. Yeah. And so I'm the one who has to code and I'm the one that has to make sure that if I administer a medication in the operating, I mean, in the office, this isn't in the operating, this is in the office. I have to make sure that it's ordered. Uh Then I have to go to the M.A.R., the medication administration record Uh and make sure that I document that that medication was given. Mm -hmm. Then I have to put in my note talking about that it was given and how and what dose. Uh Then I have to make sure that what's called the NDC number, which tells the computer what lot this came from and everything is in there and that the medication isn't expired. So that if somebody has an adverse reaction or if we get something from the company saying, hey medications in this lot could be bad, we need you to track this down, Mm -hmm. that we have this all documented. Then I need to charge, and this is all me, I need to put in the code to charge for the medication at the end of the visit. Oh. So I have gone in and I've given, a. have done a procedure, I've given a medication. Now I'm Uh gonna spend twice as much time documenting all that than I actually did with the patient. And there's been multiple studies that have shown with electronic medical records on average, your time is spent two to one documented versus actually interacting with the patient. Yeah. So for every ten minutes I spend face to face with a human being, uh-huh. I'm going to spend twenty, 20 minutes, minutes face doctor- to screen <laughs> with a stupid computer. And I love right. computers, but I start to hate them. No, and yeah. So that's a huge difference used to be that, you know, physicians could just scribble out their little handwritten notes that admittedly weren't that helpful because very few people could read them and the (laughs) documentation was poor. And so from a documentation standpoint, yeah, everything we're doing is better. But the fact that so much of this is pushed back onto the physician. Right. And so then there are people who spend extra money to hire a scribe, which is a person whose whole purpose is to go into the talk encounter with the stuff. patient, stand there, in my opinion, somewhat awkwardly in the room <laughs> while the physician and the patient talk. And this person's over there at a computer. Click, 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 documenting everything that the patient and I are talking about. Right. So now we've somewhat depersonalized the patient interaction.
1: Because right, there's a person click, clicking in the
0: background. Mm-hmm. Correct, so that's another thing that's new in the last 10 to 15 years that people didn't have to deal with before that. And then the final thing that I would say is that the bureaucracy of medicine has increased exponentially. If you look at, and this is a funny little graph that I found once and I shared it with a hospital administrator, but if you look at a plot that has three lines on it, and one of those lines is (laughs) physician salaries, Uh The second line is healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. And the third line is no, sorry, it's four lines, because then it's also number of physicians. And then the third line, the fourth line is number of hospital administrators. Uh Out of those four lines, only two of them are going up steadily. Mm -hmm. Which two are those? Do you think? Guess
1: the cost <laughs> well mm-hmm. and then what was the, what was the other one i can't the remember the number other line. of healthcare
0: administrators
1: oh so
0: as healthcare costs go up we see this commensurate increase in the number of administrators in healthcare <laughs> while number of providers or physicians has predominantly stayed relatively flat and physician reimbursement is flat or is actually down especially yeah. when taking into account things like inflation yeah And so we have so much more bureaucratic red tape that we have to jump through, and so much more as a provider. uh, Of my time is spent arguing with administrators, whether it's administrators at a local hospital just trying to get things done, or most often, some pencil neck, bean counter, pencil pusher at an insurance (laughs) company who is telling me why they have refused the -hmm. medical treatment that I, the provider, who has a license to practice medicine (laughs) has said we should offer. And so all of these different things are just, and these are just like the three that came to my head as we're talking, but there's so many additional stresses and additional hoops and additional impediments to the practice of medicine these days that, and this is, again, just looking at it from the healthcare, from the, excuse me, the physician side. Right. So much of this applies to you as a tech yeah. and to the nurses on the floor and as to, you know, everywhere. There's so many more hoops. And, right. you know, it's just like in the operating room, if I have a fast case, I can be done with a case. And sometimes my OR nurse has barely even started jumping through all the hoops to document that case right in the record. So. All of these systemic issues have existed, but they're becoming exacerbated by things like increasing, you know, decreasing reimbursements, um, increasing costs, increasing Uh bureaucracy, EMRs, all this different stuff that just leads to us spending so much less of our time actually taking care of human beings and so much more of our time dealing with bureaucracy.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure COVID played a huge part of it too. I know I wasn't working during COVID, but that made like burnout so much worse just because of the just general more number of patients that came in. So I'm sure that of course added to it in the recent years. Oh, definitely. And, and
0: you know, not even just that, but it, it, it was, I think for many people, the shining light to say, wow, this is a super broken system. Yeah. And, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we both know people who've worked in healthcare mm-hmm. and have chosen to go get jobs like at stores or waiting tables or yeah, as a barista or something, yeah. things like that because they'll make as much or more money doing that with but a fraction less of the hours. stress. Yeah, And yeah, not having to all of a sudden worry about being called in in the middle of the night to – because, yeah, it's – Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so systemic issue. Yes. Systemic problem. Systemic systemic problem. Let's talk about solutions.
1: Yeah. So in my paper, I kind of touched on we can talk about some some of the bad solutions, and then we'll talk about the good ones at the end. And on a good note. Um, we'll, try we'll try at least. We'll try <laughs> at least. I know that my management is treats me better than your administration does for you, kind of just because of the nature of the two different hospitals that we're at, the two different, I mean, we're very different roles, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of expect a lot more of you guys because you guys are um, immortal and invincible, of course. Like, why wouldn't you be? Of course. Um. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, But I know for me... My direct management with my unit is great. I love them. But when we get, we get, like, sometimes required education just for everybody in the whole hospital, and so it's like, I don't, I don't really know the bureaucracy of our hospital, but basically the top guys of that's over the whole hospital, giving all of us this required education will give us these little modules and lessons to do. That's like how to take care of yourself (laughs) or something like that. And then it says, how long will this course take? 45 minutes. (laughs) And it's like three videos to watch that are, whatever, seven minutes long each, and then you have to take a quiz at the end on Mm -hmm. how to take care of yourself. (laughs) And that just is very counterproductive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to say the least. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Because if you think about, it's it's a systemic problem, why are you making it the individual's problem to fix it? Because administration is so, so determined to make it not their problem that... The solutions they're like, oh hey, we know that you guys are burnt out. You can fix it.
0: <laughs> but hey, they might they might give you a half a slice of pizza. Oh,
1: they might give you a donut Ooh. on one Tuesday of every month. Wow, they might
0: mean, give you a donut. That's a donut. <laughs> That's a donut. You don't say no to donuts.
1: <laughs> and and obviously, I haven't been working long enough for me to get burnt out like chronically i'll get burnt out five too many shifts in a week but you know i don't get like i'll go to work and be chronically burnt out because <laughs> i just haven't been working for long enough but i can see other people being very frustrated with all of these quote solutions they're giving us when it's doing jack squat like it's not doing anything they're just flipping it on the individual and being like you know what you should do meditate Mm -hmm. that is going to fix your burnout from your 12-hour shift and and no knock
0: against meditation
1: no i love meditation i will not lie
0: (laughs) meditation is an amazing tool and i think that Uh, The entire world would be a better place if more people regularly practice meditation, (laughs) myself included in that group, who needs to do it more often, (laughs) I admit. But individual solutions to systemic problems are destined to fail. Yeah. They just are. I mean, it's never going to work.
1: I actually made for my this same writing class um we had to do a separate project to go along with our research paper and I made a um presentation uh from the perspective of uh hospital administration on how to combat burnout. I will show you cuz we're in person. Oh, <laughs> and I did a a voiceover with it um <laughs> which is um, not for public ears, <laughs> it's just for my professor and I. I said some words I probably should say, but um I basically You're gonna make me break out the sound <laughs> effects again if we were to include that. Yes, if we were to include that. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> but my first slide says self care and it has some beautiful meditation and journaling pictures and it says, Have you ever tried meditation? Have you ever tried journaling? The next slide says, remember that burnout isn't our problem. It's yours. (laughs) We love you and care about you, but patient care comes first always. If you're emotionally exhausted, you just need to focus on work more. Pick up extra shifts. Forget about your troubles and just work harder. And then the last slide I thought was the funniest. Um, It says, mandatory training this Saturday, February 38th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m mandatory burnout training no lunch is provided no pay is provided still mandatory though if you miss you're put on probation
0: <laughs> i wish that didn't sound so real oh
1: <laughs> no but that's the problem is it was barely an exaggeration I know. barely an exaggeration i
0: know
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs> but tell me about some of the some of the solutions they give you like do they actually even recognize that burnout is a problem
0: no not right now At our organization, (laughs) at my organization, I have seen absolutely no real recognition. I have seen them shuffling around nursing, like we talked about last time, having people from one unit go to another unit and help out, making us close down operating rooms Mm -hmm. so that they can take those nurses and shift them somewhere else because they recognize that those nurses in units like the ICU are being overworked and are burned out. Yeah. But think about it. Now you're taking someone like the nurses in the operating room who work hard as well. Right, and they,
1: still good, they still have a job that's hard.
0: <laughs> and now you're forcing them into a situation where they have no experience, no training, and no support. How positive is that going to be for them?
1: Right. It's just going to make it worse for them and probably the nurses around them because the nurses aren't going to want to have to teach them how the unit works. Correct. They're just going to expect them to be thrown into the work and know exactly what to do.
0: So the nurses who are burned out in the ICU are now having to kind of babysit the staff from the operating room who can't really help because they're not trained to do so. Right. So not only have you increased the stress level for the OR nurses, but you've increased the stress level for the ICU nurses or the emergency room nurses. Right. And Counterproductive. So, yeah. Your, your effort to try and address burnout in one population has not only been completely worthless in the grand scheme of things, it's actually actively made it worse for both parties involved, those who were asking for help and those who were being sent to go help. A number of years ago, a previous administration at this hospital hired uh, a pair of speakers who specialize in healthcare burnout to come in and to give a seminar for us. And fortunately, it was during the week. So <laughs> instead of having to come in on the weekend, all you had to do was clear your schedule, meaning <laughs> that now those patients who you would have had in clinic, you got to find somewhere else to put them. Or Those cases that you would have done in the operating room again, you had to find somewhere to to else yeah. to different days, which are still full. <laughs> I mean, you know, the patients love that, the doctors love that, everybody's happy. You know, it's it was just a great idea all around. <laughs> but, but in the end, I walked out of this thing about halfway through because I found it so incredibly insulting. And I apologize if I've mentioned this before on a previous episode, I can't recall if I have or not, but I don't think so. The whole crux of this was as we talked last week, you know, we're constantly in this stress situation. Right. And we're constantly uh, in a sympathetic nervous system response. Mm -hmm. Fight or flight, stress levels are high, cortisol levels are high. And so they said, well, that's why you feel burned out. You feel burned out because you're constantly in this stress state.
1: Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure.
0: That's part of why people feel burned out. Right. And so... These people we paid to come in and talk to us. They've got a solution for you. Oh. You need to to breathe.
1: Oh. Oh, that's the solution.
0: That was the crux of the whole thing. You need to breathe, which taking slow deep breaths does, it activates your parasympathetic nervous right. system. It overrides your lizard brain and says, "Okay, if I'm taking nice slow deep breaths, I must not be I in danger." I must be fine. Yeah. I must be fine. So You turn off that sympathetic nervous system, you allow the parasympathetic to have some control for a while, Uh should allow for... I mean, it's the same idea why meditation helps decrease stress levels, Uh because you're putting yourself in a position where mentally, physically, and emotionally, everything is saying, I can only do this because I'm safe. Right. And so it forces your kind of your psychology to override your physiology. Right. That's fine. Sure. We can all benefit from mindfulness and deep breathing and everything. Right. But that's not the solution to a systemic problem. No. Like, it's a great tool to help somebody cope with difficult situations. Right. But you can't say, this is is how you solve the problem.
1: No, because you can't solve, just like you said, it's a coping strategy. It is not a solution. It is how you can cope with something difficult. You cannot fix the difficultness with the breathing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you think about at the beginning of last time we talked, we talked about that Dr. Lorna Breen, uh, mental health act that was passed unanimously by Congress, mm-hmm. Great, They could all get no. behind this. Yeah. Why could they all get behind it? Why could we get republicrats and demo to like, <laughs> you know, just like I, I look, I'm registered unaffiliated. I definitely lean far more to the left side of things these days than I ever used to. But I think there's real big problems, there's with, problems both political with everything. And, and but but what's gonna get these political parties to set aside their differences? Easy. An opportunity to pat themselves on the back that doesn't require any input from them.
1: Right. Doesn't require any work from them at all. It's, it's just exactly them saying exactly the same
0: as hospital administrators. What right. can we do to so that we can go to bed at night and say, We fix this. We're working on physician burnout, on healthcare yeah. worker burnout. Uh-huh but they actually haven't done anything about it. Right. That's what this healthcare act was because everything we talked about, it was turn it back around. It was, let's set up grants so that healthcare workers can study why they're burned out and maybe try and come up with solutions for their burnout. For
1: us. Let's
0: let's give some money to create an advertising campaign to remind everybody it's okay to take care of your mental health. (laughs) Even though the system is actively designed to not only prevent us from that, but as I mentioned with the board licensing uh, issues, Theoretically and potentially could punish you.
1: Yeah, for, for having taking time for taking care of your mental to health. address
0: your mental health issues and admitting them. Yeah. So it, it's busted. It's busted no, as busted. It's,
1: it's very. It's very busted. Yeah.
0: What else did did you have any other like see any other solutions that you looked at and you were like, well, this isn't gonna work.
1: <laughs> well, it was. It was just all it's just all flipping back on the individual it's all like i've seen some campaigns where it's like speak up to your administrator or speak up about your mental health or something like that kind of trying to encourage you to be like to tell your administrator that you're being overworked so they can like cut down on hours or something but if you think about that logically if you actually go to your administrator and say i'm overworked what do you think's gonna happen they're not gonna do jack squat they're they're not gonna do anything they're just gonna flip it around again on you and like it's just it's just so counterproductive all of this 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 whole thing where they're saying speak up to your administrator again that's putting it on you it's saying you fix the problem then if you're burnt out you tell the administrator when it's it's a systemic problem
0: well and and look let's be honest Find me a hospital administrator who gives a crap.
1: No, and they're not going to do anything. Again, if you go and say you're overworked, they're going to be like, I'm sorry, I can't do anything for you. It's probably what they're going to say. So is everybody else. So is everybody else. So So we just need you to
0: be part of that team. We really just need you to be a team player (laughs) and step up and just understand that the rest of your team is feeling as overworked as you are. So we know (laughs) that it's shit. Just get in the shit together.
1: Yeah, just do it together.
0: I mean, but that's the thing is that that's all they're going to do because they're useless. They're utterly useless bags of protoplasm. (laughs) That's a new one. They are. (laughs) I just, you know, and okay, I'm going to try and be fair for just a second here. I have no doubt that their job is hard. Right. I have no doubt that they have a lot of things that they are juggling and there's a lot of behind the scene things with the business of medicine that I don't understand. I know that. And I know that they're having to make decisions to weigh things in, in such a way that those of us who are on the front lines, who actually take care of other people, we don't know that and and we can't know that. And frankly, I don't want to know that part, Right. but at the same time, you cannot be so openly and brazenly hostile towards the people who work for you, right and actually make it so you have a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing that drives me crazy is I see hospital administrators whose every behavior and every action is one of we really, really, really hate doctors, yeah. And I'm like, okay, back at you. But at the same time, I'm not here. You don't have a job. Right. Like, I don't understand that, uh, that just the enmity that exists between administrators and healthcare workers, where those of us who actually do the work to take care of people
1: are like, the ones getting absolutely trashed on. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you guys wouldn't have jobs if yeah. it wasn't for
0: us. Yeah. So, even from a purely selfish standpoint, you'd think that they should be incentivized. least a little
1: nice. <laughs>
0: right? To go, well, what can we do for these people who make it so I can take home my seven figure salary every year? And, right. You know, all this kind of like, I just, it, it boggles my mind and I don't understand why we're all on such different pages. I mean, again, the medical staff office at my hospital gave me some book about physician burnout and I think I've gotten two of them given to me. Over I saw it in the
1: garage on the floor a couple of years ago. <laughs> because that's where it belonged, <laughs> And it was like, I think I got accidentally run over by one of the cars and it just made me laugh. <laughs> Look, I got it.
0: I threw it in the trunk of my car at some point. At some point it moved from the trunk of the car that was in the garage to the floor of the garage, but it was not worth the energy to literally bend over and pick it up. <laughs> And so it stayed there. <laughs> that's until how I trash think, it was. I think finally, well, because again, it all boils down to the idea is physician, heal thyself. And that's Breathe. not acceptable. Take a deep breath. Like again, that's just not acceptable. No. It's a systemic problem. And so individual solutions will never succeed. They will always fail. Right. Yeah. So what can we do about it, Aubrey? I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling down in the dumps here. How are we <laughs> gonna fix this?
1: Well, we can talk about. I'll I'll talk about some of the good things that my administration does. Please, let's hear it. Because, or at least my in-unit management, because <laughs> they're great. I love my manager and I love the charge nurses. They're great. Um, This kind of goes along with one of the articles I had in my paper. Um, one of these articles talked about how just walking around can help fix little problems that lead to burnout. Just just walking around and actually seeing what's going on. So, they gave the example of the manager just walking around during a shift, checking up on people and they can see firsthand some of the issues that just come up. In this in this article, they were talking about something, this is just something small, but if there was a broken printer in a clinic, and if the printer is broken, that means every single time something has to be printed in a timely manner, you either have to run across the building to a different printer as fast as you can to print something out, or you have to ask someone for help, and then it turns into a whole thing, and if The manager is walking around to see what's going on they can see that and be like oh this is a problem i can try and fix it and little things like that so that is something that my management is very good at the charge nurses especially will walk around very often during the shifts and check on every single one of us Um, they'll come up to us each individually and ask how we're doing and if we need something and if we've taken our lunch break or not, if we haven't, they will offer to sit for us so we can go to take our lunch break, which is great. I love that.
0: That is. That's really impressive.
1: It is really, really good. Like there was one day where it was an absolutely insane, absolutely insane day shift. I get off at 6 p.m. I start at 6 a.m. I get off at 6 p.m. It was 4.45 p.m. And I hadn't eaten yet or peed yet. I had not even gone to the bathroom. (laughs) And the charge nurse was actually one of our assistant managers. And she comes up to me and she goes, Aubrey, I'm literally going to force you to take your lunch break right now. And I was like, oh no, I have a couple more charting things to do. And she was like, no, no, leave. go take your lunch right now. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I will go do that. But the fact that they, they will come around and make sure each of us has taken a good break. They'll sit for some of the nurses if the nurses need to go to the bathroom or take a shorter break or something. But the, the fact is that they walk around, they walk around to talk to us and see us, which I really, really appreciate
0: you, you know that's I mean, that's great that they do that, I, and I'm glad to hear that that they're they're being proactive in that. Um, you know, I see at our hospital, I see what they call senior leader rounding. Uh, they they reportedly do it. And, <laughs>
1: reportedly, <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I, I don't see a lot of it, but it's been months and months and months, and they're supposed to do it in every unit. Uh, some member of administration is supposed to do it monthly. I, I honestly don't know when the last time it happened in my clinic was, our CMO uh, chief medical officer came and did it a a week or two ago. And I was probably inappropriately so, but it was a little abrasive. I just said to him, I said, hey, so prove me wrong. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I told everybody that this was a complete waste of their time to have you come here today because in the past, all anybody does when they quote senior leader round Uh is they walk into the office, kind of walk around everybody, wave and stay there just long enough that they feel they can check that box off on the whiteboard in the administrative boardroom Uh, and then they leave. Like They they don't actually spend any time talking to anybody. They don't spend that time to see what is, what is making it more difficult for these folks to, to do their job, any of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, if people will actually do it, but right you know too too few people are willing to do it
1: yeah yeah no for sure it's just it's just the fact that they need to take like take the effort to just spend some time and it would go a long ways but they seem to think that that's a lot more difficult than it needs to be yeah they do um i'm trying to think there is Another thing that my... Oh, this is more of a recent thing. We get a lot of student nurses coming around to do their clinicals in our unit. um, And usually they just kind of stick it to whatever nurse is is there on a good pod that day. (laughs) Sounds about right. But my management is very... They tend to be very what's the word, thoughtful of who they put the nursing students with, um, they'll ask the, the nurses before and be like, do you feel okay to take 12 hours to have this um, nursing student with you?
0: And, and I just want to say, as someone who just completed six straight weeks of having either one of two medical students or Uh a family medicine resident with me, Uh it's exhausting.
1: Oh, yeah, because you have to explain and teach everything that you're doing. Yeah,
0: it's exhausting. And, you know, when I have a med student or a resident with me, if I'm in between patients, and normally I would have two, three minutes to sit down on the couch in my office and just tune out for a couple minutes. uh, Instead, I'm I'm answering their questions or I'm talking to them or something. Right.
1: It's draining.
0: It takes however much work and everything your uh, initial job is, which they're hard and it just cranks it up.
1: Yeah. It just multiplies it even worse. I'm not
0: kidding. If I happen to walk in tomorrow and I have a med (laughs) student or a resident who I didn't know I was supposed to have, I'm probably going to start crying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. Anyway, this isn't about me. This is about.
0: I'm sorry for making it.
1: No, 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 no. Yeah, they they are just, and I'm obviously I'm not a nurse, so I don't have to take nursing students. But I am getting to the point in my job where I'll start orienting new techs, and they have asked me if I feel okay with that. They they ask the techs every. Every time they know they're going to be orienting someone new, they they let them know. They ask them if they need anything. They send out a schedule of that new hire so that everyone can see when they have to orient that person so they can kind of prepare accordingly. Um, Basically, when they're trying to dump new stuff on us, which makes the job worse, my management is very good at being supportive to us.
0: And that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Which is great.
1: It is really great.
0: However, I do want to... Point out that the only reason that that stuff works is because you have good people in this position. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who are actively fighting against the system.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So again, you've got individuals who are doing what they can within a broken system.
1: Right, cuz they're they are good people and and what also Im- is kind of impressive to me, maybe it's the bare minimum, but I'm impressed by this <laughs> is that they will they're not afraid to say the words. They're not afraid to say we know you guys are burnt out. We are all burnt out. We know this. They're not afraid to say that. And I feel like it kind of becomes taboo, especially with the hospital administration, because in the back of their head, they know it's their problem, but they don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to label it as a problem because then they're going to have to fix it. Obviously, they get around that as much as they possibly can, but <laughs> but they are just not afraid to say it and not afraid to try and do something about it and ask us what we think would like how they can better support us basically.
0: That's good. Uh, You know, I I really do would, I really do want to try and get to a place where we can talk about some of the solutions, but you know, the problem is like we've said with them being systemic, all the solutions are going to have to be systemic in nature. And so I know a lot of people who are vehemently and adamantly opposed to things like a single-payer healthcare system, and I think I may have some issues with it as well, but you know, we look at certain things and say one of the problems with medicine and one of the things that makes it so difficult to come to solutions is how fractured it is and how fragmented it is here in the U.S., you know, there's and you can, depending on who your insurance is, that dictates which doctors you can see and which hospitals you can go to. And I mean, think about what a messed up situation this is, where it's really scary to think that maybe you might need uh, to go to an emergency room when you're traveling. Because now this emergency room is not the one that you Uh, that that's not, it's outside your network. Right. And so you're going to get screwed. Yep. And anyway, again, this is a conversation for a whole other day, but, but there's so many different things where we look at it and say, okay, if reimbursement's going down and so we're trying to maintain, just stay even. So we're working more and we're seeing more people and we're sticking more patients in places and stuff. Clearly, then the solution can't be just to continue to see more and to continue to do more and to continue to take care of more. Because I guarantee you the insurance companies care about one thing and one thing only, and that is their bottom line. They are profit driven companies. Right. So anything that they can do to reimburse less, they're going to do it. Yeah, And so that problem is never going to go away unless we cut the snake off at its head. Right, And, you know, we look at things like EMRs. Well, okay, there's a lot that can be done. You can go in and you can speed up how much time you have to spend in an EMR by creating a lot of favorites and templates and this, that, and the other.
1: But then again, that's time you have to take to be able to do that. (laughs)
0: Bingo. Like it's putting in that time and saying, okay, well, I know that these three hours up front will save me 30 hours over the course of the next year. Right, But then you're like, but do I have those three those hours? Those three or hours, do yeah. do I have the energy to spend those three hours? And a lot of times right. the answer is no. Yeah. And so we've got to get to a place where we understand that we're all on the same team and that we we should be working for the same thing, whether it's administrators, physicians, nurses, MAs, scrub techs, CNAs, floor techs. You know, the, the housekeeping folks, our food service folks, everybody who's working in healthcare, we're all there for the same thing, but we don't act like it. Yeah. And until we can get to a point where we can act like it, I don't know how we come to a solution. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, you look at, I mean, I look at doctors who are doing what's called concierge medicine and there are some family practice docs throughout the country that what they do is they take a certain number of patients and they do the math and they say, okay, I'm going to close an office. Uh-huh. I'm not going to have an office. I'm not going to have the overhead of an office. I'm not going to have staff. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm going to just be independently employed and I'm going to take this many patients a year and they pay me cash uh-huh. okay? and they pay me cash and that cash payment entitles them to Two house visits a year, uh-huh. and this that and the other. Like there's certain number of things right. built into that, and then there's probably some. And if I need to do extra, then it's this much, that and the other. Right. But but they're looking at that and saying the easiest way for me to overcome this and be able to work a little bit less, spend more time with my patients, having that human connection, uh-huh. which can be very energizing.
1: Right. Yeah. For sure.
0: The only way they think that they can do that is to say I'm not going to take insurance. I'm going to mm. just, we're, you and I, we're going to have a private contract with each other where you pay me X for, and I deliver Y. Yeah. And that's our relationship. Right. And it's interesting in many ways. I think it's innovative. It obviously, wouldn't work for somebody like me, like a surgeon, because right. of the nature of, of what I do. But, you know, they're, they're trying to find ways because this system is so not built to serve them, that they're having to say, well, then we need to get outside the system.
1: Right. Yeah. Which though, I mean, obviously there's a lot of other problems like how expensive healthcare is in the first place in America, but there's so many problems that the fact that we have to go outside of the system, you have to think of something yourself, you have to get outside of it to then actually do your job. Like, make it make sense. That doesn't make any sense. That shouldn't have to happen.
0: You know, and there's all these things where uh, people are looking at, well, deals between healthcare systems and health insurance companies that help improve reimbursement in some ways to, again, with the idea being, if we can have a special agreement with this health insurance company then we'll get a little bit better reimbursement from them. So maybe we don't have to work hard. Maybe, you know, maybe we can start <laughs> right. seeing a few fewer patients and things right, like that, right. but, but I don't know. I just don't see where this comes to a conclusion yeah. that makes it feasible for people to continue to work in it without changing the system. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. yeah, okay, great. We need more staff. Let's get more staff.
1: Right. We've been trying. Right. (laughs) We've been trying. I was just telling you today at breakfast that we've had like six techs who we've hired and they made it through orientation and then they quit. Yeah. And so I am having to get pulled to like one-to-ones, which are 10,000 times more draining than a regular shift when like, you know, like we're trying to hire people and then when we can't then it gets fall falls back on the people who are working and it just snowballs and snowballs
0: yeah i you know we were hoping we'd end on a happy note i don't know <laughs> i don't know where the solutions are because right because they're so much bigger than us
1: right i would say like we can't sit here and think of something to fix it
0: i mean i mean i can come up with ideas the problem is, is they all you can't on, do
1: them yeah, they, yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> you know it needs to be things like there needs to be more parity across i mean look for-profit health insurance companies i mean they're 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 broken <laughs> they're bad and America should feel bad that this is a system, but for of but, but, but capitalism, yay. Yeah. I
1: mean, whatever. Right.
0: It's just like in politics, the only way politics are ever going to get better, which I don't believe they ever are, is you've got to take money out of politics, right? You know, until these corporations, these multi-billion and trillion dollar corporations are not able to spend money lobbying and getting what they want. Right then, then our senators and our representatives are never incentivized to do what's to best do its best. Right. They're only incentivized to do whatever the it's going to make them the most money, money, want them to do. Right. And it's the same thing until we get to some degree money out of healthcare, where it's not a for-profit thing anymore. I don't see how we can fix so many of these problems. Right. Um, I, like I say, I, I don't want to end on a, on a bummer note because, because we have the best job in the world. Yeah, I believe. No, like, it's I great. I love is, my job. It is fantastic. Yeah, and when I have those days where I really get to sit back and I get to think about what I do and the privilege that I have to to take care of people and to, and to interact with the people that I interact with and the trust that they give me and that they that they offer so freely, I, I am humbled. I am in awe at this, and and I realize that I really do. I think I have the greatest job in the world. Right, but. Oh, we gotta make it we we've gotta get it so we can feel that. Yeah. Because it's so easy for that feeling to get buried underneath. And, uh,
1: all the all the crappy stuff. Yeah. Just all the other stuff. Yeah. The the good thing, the whole reason why we do it in the first place should be the feeling that we feel most of the time. Yeah. That should be the number one thing.
0: It totally should be. But But uh, sadly, much of the time it is not. Yeah. So Again, if anybody who's listening to this, if you find this conversation alarming, disturbing, depressing, <laughs> you should, <laughs> then, yes, thank you. <laughs> then we're glad that you feel that way because it is, this is a problem that should be alarming and disturbing and not depressing to the point of inactivity, but depressing to the point that we say we can't continue this way. We've got to do, do something about yeah. this. And if you're someone who happens to be listening to this podcast and you're part of the problem, come on, help us out here figure out how to not be part of the problem. Yeah. Have it be a wake up
1: call or something, please.
0: (laughs) There are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions. I don't know how many people work in the healthcare industry, but I'm sure it's over a million. So we're going to say millions. There are millions of us who are saying we love what we do and we
1: want to do it. Help us make it better. Yeah. Help help us us be able to do it. Help us do our job. (laughs) (laughs) Help us take care of people. That's all we're
0: asking. Right. That's all we're asking. Right. Well, Aubrey, appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. I appreciate yeah. your uh, input and your perspective because I do think we have some different perspectives. Yeah, um, it is a big problem, and it's a problem that I am desperately hoping will we'll, uh, we'll, will will get some attention because it really does need to be addressed and it's difficult it's a far bigger problem than just a few of us sitting here chatting mm-hmm. and it's certainly a bigger problem than uh, than all the different people who work in healthcare across the country who are who are great you know i mean they they work hard they do good things and and they're so tired of this, that it's almost insulting to call them heroes. I know a lot of healthcare workers yeah. who during the whole COVID-19 thing, when people were like, oh, healthcare workers, they're heroes. They were just like, shut the F up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me a hero if yeah. you're not willing to help me do my job. Yeah,
1: so, making it worse.
0: <laughs> so amazing people that work in healthcare, and I work with a lot of them, and I love the people that I work with, and I know that there are people who are just as good throughout this entire country who Absolutely. are doing this. Absolutely they need help, they need support, they don't need pizza, they don't need donuts, they don't need (laughs) National Nurses' Day, they don't need national-
1: It's Nurses' Week right now. They don't need Nurses' Week.
0: I'm sorry, it's Doctors' Day, so I forget that it's it's a (laughs) week for everybody else. Oh, yeah, it's a week for us. You know, they don't need that. That's great, that's nice, that's good. That stuff can help morale, but none of that stuff gets at the heart of the problem, which is the system right now is designed in such a way that we are going to be chewed up and spit out.
1: Yeah. Yep. Systemic so, problems do not require individual solutions.
0: They do not, and those individual solutions will never be adequate. Yeah. So, on that happy note. On not that happy note. <laughs> we're going to wrap up today. <laughs> And we're gonna think really hard about something more entertaining we can talk about in two weeks. Maybe we'll need to take <laughs> another little dive into something know, funny, medicine, and media, or something like, something that. like that. You know, I mean, Doctor Strange too. Oh, there's really no medicine in Doctor Strange too. I'm gonna to say it just came out, but <laughs> he's
1: not a doctor anymore. <laughs> he's really not. He's
0: really not. So, um, we'll be back in another couple weeks. Yeah. We, uh, we'll come up with something that hopefully again. We'll try to like think of something lighter. that's a little bit lighter, maybe a little more entertaining, but we sure appreciate everybody who's taking the time to subscribe, to listen, to hopefully share it with other people. If you find it interesting, please share it. If you've got any feedback, remember feedback at themiddleofmedicine.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please subscribe, share, and give us a five-star review. We'd love it. It's that a really five-star can, pod. It, it, you know, it really can help boost uh, visibility. So yeah. we, we'd love that. We'd really appreciate it. And thanks again, Aubrey, for your time today.
1: Of course.